Welcome to the Script and Style Show, the web show where we talk about web development with the people that make it happen. Today's episode is brought to you by TrackJS JavaScript Error Monitoring. Know when errors hit your website with the context to find and fix bugs fast with TrackJS. Start your free trial today at trackjs.com. Welcome to the Script and Style Show, everyone. I'm Todd Gardner from TrackJS JavaScript Error Monitoring. And my co-host, David Walsh, creator of the popular blog, davidwalsh.name. How's it going today, David? I'm good. How are you, Todd? I'm good. I heard you uh, You got a new toy. I got a, a new toy for my, for my children. I bought uh-huh, them a Nintendo uh-huh. Switch. And first of all, it's already been taken away. Uh-oh. Bad behavior in the morning. But I found the... I feel like I've been um, duped. So we have a Nintendo Wii U, right? That's something that I've had to play Super Mario Maker because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's fun. Um, But you didn't need an online service for that. Like it would go online and you could just, you know, get um, new levels to play. But with the Switch, there's an online service, which is $4 a month. So it's not going to like put you out. But I was not expecting that. Yeah, I've never really subscribed to the idea that I should have to pay a monthly service fee to play the games that I already purchased. I, I never really, that. I mean, that really turned me off to Xbox, honestly, when I first got one of those. I'm like, wait, wait, I just spent like $400 on this console and now now you want me to spend like another $10 a month just to play the games? Right. Screw, screw right. you guys. And of course, I got them the games that were like internet centric, right? So they can play Mario Kart by themselves, but all their friends have a Switch. So they want to play with their friends. Do you have a Switch? I do have Are a Switch. Are you switched in? I, what, are you, I, what are you playing? I, I play Mario Kart and uh, and Super Smash Brothers. And I've tried a few other things, but but mainly they're boring. And I don't, I don't know. I tried Zelda because everybody talked about how great Zelda was. And I just, I didn't, I couldn't get into it. And I tried Mario Odyssey, and I thought the thing with the hat was stupid, and like I didn't, I didn't really like that. But Mario Kart, I can play Mario Kart for forever. Mario Kart is so much fun. I have and a it, very controversial Mario Kart opinion. Uh oh. And it's a general Nintendo game opinion. So like when you're mentioning the the like the Mario's, the Mario Kart, the Zeldas, the Nintendo 64 games of each one of these games are the best in the series by far. <laughs> Mario Kart 64 was unbelievable. I, mean, I don't have to tell you how great Super Mario 64 was, right? Yep. That just blew everything away. Yep. Zelda Ocarina of Time, unbelievable. Great game. So I have a hard time when I... Now, how, how much of this is like objectively true versus like that was just your sweetheart Nintendo like... That was when you got the most into it, and you're just like identifying as like the 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 version that you played the most was the best. Super Nintendo Mario Kart was too boring for me. I know uh, I know a lot of people will say it was unbelievable, but for me, it wasn't for me. Uh, the GameCube one was trash. Uh, the Wii Mario Kart was trash. I mean, oh my god, those were the days. <laughs> I'm 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 fan of, of Super Nintendo personally, but yeah. I never that's, had one. I never had one and I'm bitter. 
So maybe see, that's why. See, I I had the Nintendo. Like my one of my first memories is like I'd saved up enough money like from allowances and stuff to go buy a Nintendo. And I bought like the Nintendo and it came with Mario and I just played it forever. And like my mom still makes fun of me occasionally because I used to play it so much. I'd get the little arrow imprints from the controller on my <laughs> thumbs. Um, and she'd like, I'd come up to dinner or whatever and my hands would just be like all like messed up from like spending all day playing Super or playing Nintendo. Uh, so I, I, have, I have fond memories for the old consoles. That's a good memory. All right, on to, on to the real stuff. We can't just have a whole podcast about games, although that'd be kind of fun. That'd be a lot of fun, actually. But that's not what he, people are here to see. People are here to hear about tech and stuff we know about tech, right? Um, so today we're going to talk about something that you know a whole heck of a lot about. We're going to talk about building a brand through blogging. Mm. And you have a super popular blog. Like, it comes up on all kinds of search engines. People hit it all kind. Like, how often, like, what's what's your hits? Like, how often do people hit your blog? Like, it's um, got to be huge. I It's over 10 million a year, for sure. Um, 10 million I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at, at analytics lately, but... Uh, it's always been around 12, 13, 14 million visits a year. Yeah. That is huge. That's huge. so cool. It's very cool. So we're going to talk a little bit about blogging and how to build your own brand as a developer through building a blog. Awesome. And so why don't we start with like a story about why did you start? <clears throat> like, so how old is, is David Walsh.name and, and why did you start this? So I started it back when I was in my first job which I was not having much fun in. Um, one of the big reasons I started my blog is that I would continually run into the same problems and I wouldn't be able to find an answer to the specific problem that I ran into until I got to like the eighth page of a forum post. And I didn't want to be bookmarking this stuff. I didn't want to... Um, need to search through all that stuff anymore. I wanted to put it in a place that was somewhat prominent, you know, uh, wrapped in its own blog post so that people could easily find it and they wouldn't have to suffer through what I had to suffer through. So that was, that was one of the big reasons. And of course, oh, whenever you, you're in your first job you, and it starts out at a small level, you're probably going to be asked to do things that aren't pop like aren't best practice let me say right just just to get it done and get it out there so i was having to accomplish some pretty uh clever i needed clever solutions to get past tasks that i shouldn't have been asked to do in the first place um and so i i felt like the stuff that i had to do like this that was that was clever should be put somewhere not only so that other people have that solution, but so that people could come to my blog and say, no, David, that's stupid. You should be doing this. So it wasn't solely to um, educate people about what I know, but it was also to get good feedback and get community ideas for, for better ways to do things. So, all right, so you're, you're learning in public, I guess would be a, a modern phrase for that. Like you were sharing the kind of stuff that you were doing and trying to get feedback about what you were doing wrong and, and how to get better as a developer. Right. How long ago was this when you started it? It's probably 12 years now. 
12 years. A dozen a years. Holy a 12 cow. 12-year-old blog. Like, your your blog is like a tween. And, like, would have a phone and, like, be asking to get on Snapchat and stuff. I, I, I can wait for those days of real life. But, yeah, it's it's been around a long time. It's something that I'm still super passionate about to this day. Um, and as we'll probably talk about, it's carried me a long way in life. So it's been great. So, so your goal at the time was, was learning and sharing and stuff like that. Is that still your goal in doing it today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as long as people aren't too harsh when I publish something that could be improved, I'm always really excited to learn a better way of doing things. Um, another, another reason that I blog now, and I guess it's a reason that's always carried through. I don't, one thing that people will notice and that I've been knocked for in the past is people don't like that with each blog post, I don't put the current browser support for things. Um, mm. And that's for a couple reasons. Number one, that stuff changes so much that I'd be, I have like 2000 blog posts. I'd be updating posts all the time. Um, but two, you shouldn't trust any browser uh, support information based solely on a blog post, right? Like how many times have you learned about a chunk of code on a blog post and um, you go to implement it and even though they said it works in a certain browser, it doesn't and you're like, what the hell? You know, that's not something that I want to deal with. A huge part of, of consuming a blog post isn't just having something spoon-fed spoon to you, it could just be raising your awareness of a certain feature or your interest to get you to go try something out. So that's another reason that I write. You know, I, I want to bring stuff to people's attention to get them excited enough, because I love the web, to go out and learn about something themselves. Yeah. Like, th that's, a, that's a very good point. Like, you shouldn't just base your whole programming, like, effort off of a single blog post. It's, it's, it's an advertisement for an idea. Like here's, here's like a little tiny thing. Like here's an example of how to do something or uh, a little, uh, just a little teaser of like, here's this new API and how to use it. But you should go read about it a whole lot more before you put it in your code, right? Yeah, like a lot of the stuff that I write about is sort of edge stuff, right? So I can't promise you that it's gonna work, um, but I can promise you that it's something that's coming and that could be interesting to you. So you mentioned uh, a, a frustration on dealing with comments and, and dealing with like some feedback from people. Like, how do you do that? Like I imagine for some of your posts, you get some kind of negative crap thrown at you, especially if somebody thinks you might've done something wrong. How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, everyone's gonna run into this. I mean, that's why people say don't, don't read the comment section. Um, <laughs> And luckily, it's just a blog post so that they can only like judge my my code and my words instead of my appearance and my attitude and everything else that goes along with, um, let's say, the YouTube comment section. Um, one, I have to moderate comments because I get spammed so much. But two, if a comment is you know using really appropriate language or words or even really bad attitude, I just throw it out. Um, but if I do notice a comment that comes in that seems negative, I do try and respond to them um, because I think that from there they can learn a good way to interact with someone. You know, like 
if you were to go somewhere, a lot of people will just say totally mean things because they don't think they're going to get anything back. Mm -hmm. And when you do respond to them and you respond like a grown up and answer their questions or answer to their criticism, you usually get someone back with a head on their shoulders. That's a little bit apologetic, right? I mean, it's like, it, oh, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think anybody would read this. Right, right. We all come from different backgrounds, right? And if you haven't faced the same problems that I've had to face, whether it just be in life or in in code, um, you're not going to have have that same perspective that the other person does. Plus, I'm the first person to throw my hands up and say that not everything I write or have coded is perfect. And so, there's a very real chance that I need to update something. And if someone says hey, there's a better way to do this, even if, you know, rude or nice, I'll update my blog post, right? Because the most important thing to come out of the blog post is something good and something that people can learn from. Awesome. That, that's a really healthy way to deal with it. Now, right, I, so- I won't say I haven't raged at comments that have come <laughs> in personally, but uh, publishing a ragey response really isn't helpful. Um, so... Let's say let's say we haven't been blogging for twelve years and had this huge following. Why why should I or any of our listeners who's a developer in twenty nineteen? Why should we like care about this? Why should we think about building a blog or developing a brand or that sort of thing? Yeah, so that's a really good question, and it's a question that I didn't really ask myself when I started it. Right, like I like I mentioned. I just wanted to write about things that were interesting. I was always pretty good at writing in school and I I didn't go into it looking for something. But in hindsight, 12 years on, now that I work at Mozilla and now that I have something pretty popular, I can look back on it and, and give some reasons why I think everybody needs to do this. Um, number one, people need to showcase their talents and advocate for themselves. Um, because number one, you're always going to be your biggest advocate. Number two, most likely no one else is going to do it for you. Um, and that's important. That's important important in getting raises and getting new jobs and joining communities and networking. Um, you're putting yourself out there where everyone can see you. That's number one. Um, number two, like I said, showcase your talent. I didn't get into blogging to get hired by SitePen and then get hired by Mozilla, right? But because I showcased what I knew, and I showcased my not just what I knew, but my enthusiasm for the web and for open source, that sort of like drew people to me. Um, I, I'll never forget, my wife went to the store when we got married, like eight years ago, and someone went up to her and were like, oh my gosh, you're David Walsh's wife. And I don't know if that's... <laughs> It's kind of cool and it's kind of weird at the same time, but like people knowing who I am. And again, it's not what I got into it for and still not why I do it, but it was just weird to me, you know? Um, Third, I won't be bashful in saying that it's opened up, you know, like a new, a new revenue stream, which is something that I never, ever thought I'd have. Um, which is, which is obviously for anyone with a family, which is really nice. Um, and I guess lastly, it's, it's been a huge sign of accomplishment, I guess. Um, I think that when I'm 70-whatever years old on my deathbed, 
and I'll, I'll probably be 70 from all my soccer injuries. Um, I'll be able to look back on having accomplished this as one of the, like the, the craziest accomplishments I have. Um, and I guess last I get to meet awesome people like you and everyone else in the industry who I've met, who've, um, sort of, you know, shaped, shaped my career, shaped my life. It's, it's been a blast, man. And, and this is something that people should strive for in their life. You know, like revenue, if you start a revenue, a blog for revenue today, you're going to be really disappointed because it doesn't come quick. Um, but as long as you keep at it and keep promoting yourself and promoting your work and promoting the things that you're excited about, you will get there. I don't know that, that, uh, the revenue side of it is a good reason to start a blog. Like there's, and, and there's that, definitely that a bunch of, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of blogs out there. That's obviously, you know, they're, they're about like getting sponsorship dollars and being a commercial thing. And they end up mostly pretty crappy in my opinion, like very transparent, like keyword stuffing based content, just make clicks to stuff their advertiser dollars as they can. Yeah, again, I wouldn't get it get into it for money, and people are going to see that right away. Um, and so, one, I guess, one of the ways on that point that I try and keep my my blog, um, how do I say it? I don't want to. I don't want to use the word fresh. One thing that I do is I write in my own like mental speech, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't try and write like an academic because I'm not an academic. I watch Trailer Park Boys, you know, sometimes, right? I'm just not. <clears throat> I don't listen to uh, symphonies and stuff, but um, I always find it easy to read books from celebrities or whoever when they write in their own voice, when you can hear them saying it, right? When you. Ha- and they're having a little bit of fun with it when they're not nose up in the air. So I try and write in my own voice and my own speech. And I've gotten numerous compliments over the years that people enjoy that. And so if I had advice for, you know, starting your blog, I guess I'd say write in your own voice because that's, that's really a good way for people to not just um, read casually, but to get sort of a flavor of a taste of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So what sort of things we talked like you, you share examples of like the code that you're writing or something that you're learning, but what are some other examples of things that you write about? Like when, when you're, you know, sitting down to, you know, write a blog post, how do you decide what you should write? I think that one of the, the very good qualities that I have and that any developer can have is curiosity. Like when I first taught myself how to code when I was like 13, 14 years old, view source was my best friend. Um, and I should, maybe I should say notepad is my best friend because that's what I popped up in. Um, I would see things on websites when I was 13 and I'd look at view source for an hour, two hours, figure out how they did it. Um, and this was before Stack Overflow and, and everybody taught or told you how to do everything. Um, so I've always just been curious and I've never lost that curiosity. When I go to a site now uh, and I see something awesome, I need to figure out how it was done. And then I get it working and then I, you know, add in my own ideas for how it could be improved um, from either a code or a visual perspective. And then I write about it. Um, 
the other thing that people probably notice when they go to my site is that like one day, one day a post is about PHP, the next day it's about JavaScript, the next day it's about CSS, the next day it's about Git or Mercurial or shell commands or Python. And if you look at it, you'd be like, this guy can't concentrate. And I can't. <laughs> like, I'm just, an idea comes into my head that I want to write about and I just do it. And I think that's also something that keeps my blog, you know, humming along. If I felt like I, I needed to talk only about JavaScript or only about CSS, I mean, how many, you're not always going to have enough ideas to fill as much content as you want. So it's like, it's uh, blogging about different topics, whatever hits your mind is a good way to keep things going, keep things going and keep momentum um, with your blog because you need that momentum the same way you need it at work and in life. You know, you need to get on a roll and keep going. Um, and plus, I also think it's a good way to get your readers to think about different things and not always be obsessed about, you know, a given topic, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Just because you're you're like known or, or you focus on JavaScript doesn't mean that like up that you're not also using Git, you're not also using PHP or .NET or Java or whatever. Right. And the and the other people reading are in that same situation. I mean, nobody nobody only does one thing. Everybody has you know interfaces with other systems or other tools that you need to use to get your work done. Um, and so uh, I think that's I think that's great. It's more it's more important to stay passionate about what you're doing. And just write what you're excited about than to stay like laser focused on what your niche is. Right. I, I have a colleague at Mozilla who always wrote about a certain thing. And then one day I saw him write about VR code in the web browser, you know, virtual reality. And it was through that, like just seeing that post and reading through it, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be great. And so what did that lead to? It led to me contributing to the VR team at Mozilla. It led to me, um, thinking about programming in a different way, right? I'm, I'm now thinking about dimensions and frames and time. Um, I'm thinking about accessibility. You know, like if you put on a VR headset and the, the refresh rate isn't fast enough, you're going to get dizzy and sick. And it's like, oh, when I do graphic stuff on the web, I need to be thinking about the same stuff. So just like getting exposure to people about different things can like change their life, can get them excited about things, can set them on a new career path. Um, and I feel really honored that I'm in a position where I can do that. Yeah, yeah. So other than like writing about what you're passionate about, like how do you stay, how do you like convince yourself to break away from the things that you're doing and actually like write a blog post about it? How, how do you, you know, writing isn't necessarily the most fun activity in the world for a software developer. Sure. And and so what do you do to like be like, oh, oh, I need to stop working on this thing right now and I'm going to go write about it for a minute. Number 1, it's a good change of pace from from coding all day. Um, number 2, I think it offers a really good opportunity when you write, you know, like write paragraphs about your code. It makes you think about what you've done in different ways. It makes you explain yourself. And I think that needing to explain yourself in words about your code may help you find shortcomings of it. It may help you find potential bugs in it. Um, 
when I started my blog, I rem- I was publishing like every single day. Um, and of course I was early twenties, wasn't married, no kids. And so every Saturday morning I get up early to watch like European soccer and I would watch soccer and blog like all morning. Like that was my thing. That's what I was excited about. And I would write enough blog posts to publish it over the week. Um, obviously with a wife and kids now that's harder, but I have a really awesome wife, um, who, at night when we're watching TV or whatever, um, she doesn't mind that I'm writing a blog post and such, right? So I'm very lucky in finding the time to do this stuff. Um, but you see, so you make the time. You like you carve out a time during the week, and you like buffer up a bunch of like posts to go out over the course of the next couple of days. Sure, I, I can't. I can't write them all at once now like I used to. It usually is one a night now or two a night. Um, but again, like staying in that habit is really important to me because it keeps pushing my attitude more positively and just keeps not just my blog, but like my desire to be really, to be a good programmer. Um, it keeps pushing that forward. So do you, do you write during the work day at all, or is it only kind of a nights and weekends activity? It's usually only a nights and weekends activity. Um, I've been on the DevTools team for a year and a half now, and I still feel like the fire hose is on me, right? Because there's so many DevTools and so much to learn about what's going on inside a browser that it's really hard to do it during the day. And if you're writing blog posts during the day, it might be a sign that maybe um, you don't like your day job a little bit. (laughs) I don't know, um, that that you either don't have enough to do or you don't want to do it. Maybe that sounds harsh, but... One thing I like about having a separate time to do the blogging is that, you know, during the day you can get sort of, I don't know, frustrated or just too into what you're doing to have perspective. So like getting the day job stuff done, having some time to be with your family or get dinner or whatever, and then coming back to it later with a fresh mind, I think is a good way to gain perspective on what you've done and to like sort of rationally write about what you've done if that makes sense. Yeah, so like you're revisiting your work through the blog at a later time just to get a, a different point of view into what you were doing and and kind of have a, a different, uh, you're just in a different mental state. You're in a different place right. with different people doing a, a little bit different activity, but you're just looking at the same problem. Uh, and so you can probably make yourself better by seeing those shortcomings. Exactly. The other thing that, that writing your blog posts and experimenting at a different time does is allows you to experiment with things that maybe you wouldn't be encouraged to do it at work. Right. So if I'm blogging about Python at night, like I don't work on Python during the day and it's not a good use of my time. But if I get excited about something later on, I don't feel like I'm going to get in trouble or you know what I'm saying? I don't feel like I'm not doing my, my day job. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you like will write a bunch of things when you have the time and then schedule them over the course of like the week. Sure. How how often should you publish something on your blog? That's a really good question. Um, In the beginning, I did it every single day because I wanted to get momentum. Um, I think that the, uh, there's no great answer to that question other than to say that people, that you should, 
publish content on a regular basis. So whether it's once a week, every Monday, twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday, um, getting in that sort of habit sort of teaches your readers when they know they should come back. Um, but again, I also did it every day because I wanted people to keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back so that it was not just a habit for them to see my, my numbers go up, but it was also encouragement for me to keep going. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not fun to write a blog post and have no comments. Right. But once I started getting comments and I started seeing those analytics going up, it's sort of reinforcing what I was doing in that. I could justify putting all of the time into it that I had. So you, regularity in, in your posts to bring users back, is that still a thing today? Like there's so many ways that we can be notified when there's a new post with, you know, social net networks and like RSS is still kind of a thing and you can subscribe to people's stuff. And uh, like is, I know that David publishes every Monday and so I will check his site every Monday. Is that still a thing? Do you, like, do you I, have I readers I, who just know to go to your site or do people always come in via like content aggregators or Google searches or stuff? Like that? So Google search accounts for like 95% of my traffic. Right. So I don't write, uh, I don't write for SEO. Like I, that's, that's not the main reason I do stuff. And I do think that there's, um, I do think that social media is probably the best way that you're going to pull people in. But again, just knowing the regularity with which someone's going to post is yet another reason to go there without being told to, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you're writing this regularly, how, like, do you have a target, like, length for how big a blog post has to be? Like, is, is there, is there like a threshold that's like, ah, oh, you know, this topic isn't big enough to write a post about? No, that's number one. No. If your, if your blog post is, I always have an intro. Let me say that an intro and a closing. But if, if your blog post is nothing but an intro one sentence explaining what you're about to do, a code snippet, and then a closing, that's fine. You know, um, I don't like writing novel length blog posts because I don't read novel length blog posts. Most people, like what a lot of people need to understand is that 90 whatever percent of people who get to your blog from a Google search, they just want to fix something quick. They just want to know how to do something quick and get back to their job. Mm -hmm. um, I did like, but on the other side, I've written some longer blog posts, like my posts about imposter syndrome and being a dev dad. Those are longer. And those are the blog posts that I get the most comments about. So I guess you sort of need to know, you need to judge the length of your blog post on what the topic is trying to cover. I don't hey. want, I don't want to be MDN. Right. That's not my, my job isn't to be MDN. Yeah. You're um, not the reference. Right. My job is to get people excited about something, show off something cool that I've done or vent or, you know, like, <laughs> like share an opinion or something. Right. That's, that's, that's my role. And so 
if it's if it's like a code snippet thing, I try and keep the post short. But if it's like philosophy or giving my opinion or sharing my experience, then I let myself go longer because it feels good to get it out, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. So you mentioned analytics and like understanding where your traffic's coming from. Yeah. How so if you're you're building this blog up, how do you know if it's working? Like what do you what do you measure? What's important to measure? Is it important to measure? Like what what do you look at and what do you care about? I care about visitors and page views. Um page views page views is a very tough one to want to be excited about because like I said, most of your traffic is going to come from a search. And those people just want something fixed and they're going to bounce, right? That's why I don't take bounce rate too much to heart. If I've helped someone fix their problem, that's job done. Visitors, though, I think is important because I want to bring in all types of different people. I want people who specialize in CSS to come. I want people who specialize in JavaScript to come. I want people who love Node.js to come. Um, I want people who love DevTools, Python, PHP. I want everybody. I want the world. Um, and so page page uh, visitors is something that I have always cared a lot about. I remember when I met my wife's parents for the first time. Um, my wife, girlfriend at the time, obviously, had mentioned something like, oh, he has a blog. Um, and she asked me how many visitors or how many people come to it. And at the time it was like 150 a day. And I was like feeling like a baller back then, like, <laughs> you know, because I, you don't expect that. Um, but steadily over the years, obviously it's just risen, risen, risen. And um, that's, that's a pretty good feeling. It makes me feel like I've done something right. So what if it's not working? Like, what do you do if like, maybe you don't have this problem but what would a reader do if they're like they've they started a blog, they have a couple of posts out there, they're 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 starting to get into the swing of things, and like nobody's showing up? What, what do you do? What one do you thing do? one thing that I wasn't bashful about doing in the beginning was sharing my own blog posts everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. Um, D Zone was 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 popular back then. Um, and there were a whole bunch of places. I think it was called CSS Globe was a place where you could share the title in the link to your blog posts and people would go there and it was just another aggregator, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was on the Dig homepage once because I had submitted stuff there. Like, don't be bashful about promoting your work. You spent time on it. You believe in what you're doing and you should keep promoting yourself. Um, and as long as you keep writing, people are going to trickle in from Google searches and those numbers are just going to go up. It's absolutely going to go up. So you shouldn't give up at all. Do you still promote uh, any of your posts today? Yeah, Twitter, Facebook, um, Reddit. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm still excited about what I do and I think it's, it's worth reading. Awesome. All right, I'm a little hesitant to get into this last question because uh -oh. because I'm I'm you know our listeners are developers and developers want to develop, um, but I I think we would be remiss if we didn't briefly talk about the technology that powers blogs. Sure. Uh, what what do you use? What is what is DavidWalsh.name powered by? I've always hosted my own WordPress site. 
I'm a developer who knows how to set up WordPress. I know how to set up a MySQL database. Um, and most importantly, I want to own what I write. I don't want to ever lose what I've written because it's on WordPress.com or Medium. I want to own it. I want to have it. And I'm on the, the what's it called? The LAMP stack. Yeah. And so you have your own server that you manage somewhere and you like, you know, make sure your own system is running and, and patched and ready to go and has all the features you need and, and that sort of stuff. Right. How, how much time does that take you? Like away from your job or away from the actual writing of this, like writing content to manage your, your platform? Not much, really. Um, maybe I was misleading there. Media Temple um, is a blog sponsor. So I have a virtual a VPS on there for which gets regular regular updates. So I put myself in a position where I don't want to spend that time because I'm not a sysadmin, which is why you don't see sysadmin posts on my <laughs> blog. I don't want to know that stuff. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm excited about. And so um, having, having uh, a VPS is really the, the best option for me. Okay. So in the in the kind of the debate between owning it yourself, you are and and an aggregator kind of thing. Yep. You are totally on the side of owning it yourself. You wouldn't start something on on Medium or Dev2 or or any of those sort of platforms. No, absolutely, absolutely not. I I've read blog posts about Medium maybe not doing so well. Um, and but again, I want to be able to own everything. Um, I don't. I've heard about people who host their blog on whatever service and that service when you want to move away from them they hold on to your domain and say no you can't have it like i want to own everything i don't want anyone to ever take anything away from me or tell me no if that makes sense yeah you're a control freak you must own it all i want if that makes me a control freak yes i <laughs> i don't want things to go poorly now i've heard I've heard this story multiple times from developers where, you know, they're they're intending to launch a blog, but first, first they have to pick, you know, they're gonna they're gonna build their own based on some CMS and they're gonna like roll their own everything on top of that. Do you ever hear that? I do, and I think it's a terrible idea because it gets in the way of you writing, if that makes writing blog posts instead of writing code. It's also another thing that I hear quite often is people saying, ah, I want to start a blog, but I don't know what to write about. Write about anything. Write about anything. I wrote a blog post once about how to bring up the print command in JavaScript. And it's, it's like <laughs> a function and a line. But it was, a, it was something that kept me writing. And that was important to me. And it, it's also... Um, a, a problem people need a solution to. My most popular blog post to this day that still gets the most hits is how to center a website with CSS. So adding width and margin zero <laughs> auto is still my most popular blog post. And I remember saying before I published it, this is too easy. Why am I writing this? You know? Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't assume that people are either at the level that you're at or are an expert at the thing you're an expert at. And yeah. so as long as you keep writing, 
That's the important thing. Spending time dealing with uh, like sysadmin stuff, dealing with coding your own CMS. For me, I know PHP, I know MySQL. WordPress is the way, the easiest way to just get up and get going. Because the platform, no one, ca- no one cares the platform that you're on, right? Like people care about your content. They don't care what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. No, one, no one cares behind what what's behind the curtain. So as long as you keep keep writing, you'll be in good shape. Awesome, awesome. All right, so I think that's I think that's a good show right there. Let's uh let's maybe do some takeaways. So uh, I think the biggest lesson that I pulled out of our conversation here is that is that to not worry about like SEO, not worry about uh, about going for ads, not worry about like focusing on your niche, just write, just write what you're interested in, write what you're passionate about, write what is grabbing your imagination and then everything else will come, come after that. I think, I think multiple comments that we've had over the course of, of the last 40 minutes or so have kind of been circling around that. David, what about you? What's, what's like one core thing? Uh, my biggest takeaway is that it's hard to talk about myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't state to people enough that starting this blog has changed my life incredibly for the better. Whether it's the people that I've met, whether it's the job opportunities that have come to me. I mean, I'm I'm from nowhere, Wisconsin, and I work for Mozilla. I get flown around the world for work. I've had so many unbelievable experiences thanks to my blog that I don't want to imagine my life without it. And I think that I think that every developer should have a blog and they shouldn't expect success immediately. But I can promise people just like look at myself, look at Chris Coyer, like things have gone really well. And it was a hell of a lot of work, but as long as you're willing to put in that work, there will be a not a literal, but there will be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for all of the effort that you put into it. That's fantastic. I think I can't I can't think of a better way to end the show than on that comment. So with that, why don't we wrap it up? Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new topic. If you have ideas, suggestions on what you'd like us to talk about, who you'd like us to talk with, or questions you'd like us to answer, please hit us up on Twitter. We're at Script and Style. Um, Until then, I'm Todd Gardner. I'm David Walsh. See you next week. The Script and Style Show is recorded and produced by David Walsh and Todd Gardner. We'll see you next time on Script and Style.